The other thing I do with credit reports uh, is just, and we've run into this many times, um, is verifying whether they're authentic or not, because there are oh. many fake ones out there. So, you know, for the, average- I have seen more fraudulent credit reports in the last 24 months than I have in my entire life. hundred percent. Well, you're running into a very competitive market and people are trying to find creative ways to get into properties. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 166 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast where we talk everything real estate for tenants, landlords, buyers, sellers. We make sure you're successful. And realtors. And realtors. Yeah, sorry. I don't know how I forgot realtors. Today, we are going to be teaching landlords how to vet tenants. How are you, Ariel? I am fantastic. I've relocated here at the KT studio. So you get this beautiful barn board behind me. Yeah. Remember when we got these mugs? We were out in BC, I think. I'm so, pretty sure that's where I got it. I, yeah. That's where it's from, from Vancouver. Yeah. Um, quick story on those Starbucks mugs. So usually every three to six months I go through and I'm going through it now, a purge period yeah so i start getting antsy and picking doors or drawers and closets and certain storage areas and i just start pulling things out and i put them into keep sell donate piles right i think people should do this on a regular basis i agree Uh, yeah um we're pretty and oh i'm not alicia's really good at doing that so we ordered some new dishes or we bought some new dishes and nice. And I've been thinking about that. New dishes came in. Well, this was a few months ago now. Okay. So the new dishes came in and we open up the top cabinets. And of course there's not enough storage space, right? doesn't matter how big your kitchen is or how small you never have enough storage space in your kitchen. And mostly well, because people don't do the, you know, keep, sell, donate stuff on a often enough basis. That, but also, and this is something for homeowners and buyers, the custom organizers, just, I mean, the stuff that comes from the builder, your uh, typical builder is garbage, right? It's the same as a closet, such a poor use of the space. So I you, agree. Get, you can, you know, triple the capacity with the right storage solution. So the story goes, um, we had a whole bunch of mugs that we've accumulated over the years. You know, you get a lot of mugs as gifts or, you know, sometimes flowers get delivered in a mug or chocolates, uh, you know, or especially around Valentine's day, or you buy one that says, you know, greatest mom ever or whatever. Although, you know, some of the sentimental ones you want to keep, but the premise of purging that cabinet was to get rid of all the old dishes. We didn't want them anymore. They're old. Um, Define how old were they? Oh, they're old. I bought them when I bought my first house. So 15 years old, 15 years old. Yeah. Had they, good, were you at a point dishes. where they had you'd broken enough of them that you didn't have really have yeah. a full set of anything? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I got it. Um, and you know, we wanted uniformity because when we have people over for dinner, which happens uh Thanksgiving, Christmas, we have big dinners and we wanted all the same plates. Uh, and the same thing for the mugs. We found when we were having people over. And after dinner, you make coffees, espresso, cappuccino, whatever. Everybody was holding a different mug. So he said, okay, let's purge. So she picked out the ones that were sentimental to her. And I started picking mine out and I get the, well, what do you need that one for? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Who are you to judge? I didn't pick yours. (laughs) So. Well, and no, I mean, in fairness, the ones that she kept were actual sentimental ones, like like yeah. the greatest mom ever. I don't know what they say, but they're more yeah, like mom related me- stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Attached to memories, and and you know, whereas mine, you know, I had um, 
I didn't even, I don't even know where I got half of them. So not a big deal, but I got frustrated with it all because it was a little bit one-sided in the fact that all of my stuff was going, you know, like they were my plates and, and stuff that I had before our relationship. So I'm getting rid of all of my stuff. And anyways, does your wife have something to say about this? She brought me lunch. I've already eaten though, but that was very nice of you. I know I was really quick. Good luck. Thank can, you. Can she deliver it here? Because I'm really yeah. hungry. <laughs> it was very thoughtful of her. I'll eat it in a bit. Maybe if we talk about it? it, I might get hungry. Um, it's a turkey sandwich with on nice bread with um, avocados and a little bit of mayonnaise and and an orange. Very nice. Yeah, it smells yummy. Um. So, anyways. I took all of my mugs out, which included the Starbucks mugs that we got oh, okay. on our on our trip in Vancouver. Given them so hang on, hang on. Let I me finish the story. Okay. Let me finish the story. So I specifically said I'd like to keep this one. This is the one Adrian and I got on our trip to vancouver you know it's not a cheap mug though i think they were like 25 bucks or something like that yeah yeah you know i'm gonna keep that one she said okay fine well somehow it got mixed up into the donate pile so i ended up donating it and i don't have it anymore that's disappointing a great story i just feel i think of you every time i drink it well thanks drink from it but yeah uh, just quickly on that too is uh, it's actually really nice to drink a particular beverage out of a nice glass whether it's wine out of a nice wine glass which i'm a big fan of or coffee or tea out of a well tea specifically out of a a nice mug like alicia inherited some really nice um i don't know if they're like real fine china type of stuff and um you know hang on hang on we did when we started the episode by the way episode 166 of kt confidential the real estate podcast today we are going to be teaching landlords how to vet tenants yes sorry if you've listened this far god bless you because we've just been rambling about nothing and you had no idea what we were actually talking about today so today we will be discussing how to vet a tenant Telling you and our secrets. Note to our uh, editor, Joe, when you're editing this, maybe take that clip and put it in the very beginning and then right. <laughs> proceed back to the beginning again so people know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. Hey, we can, uh, we so can move on from the mugs. But yeah, she no. inherited some some very nice fine china and they're very delicate, nice mugs. And it's you know, a different experience when you're drinking um, out of something like that. I'm extremely particular. Well, I have a bit of that kind of uh, OCD eccentric behavior with a lot of things, as you know. But one of the things is um, the type of glass that I drink from. I've right. I've always had that kind of um, idiosyncrasy in my habits of, of drinking, whether it's beer or water. Like water, as a, as a matter of fact, is one of the things I scrutinize the most as to what I'm drinking it from. Right. Um, but I don't know. Everybody and has I, their like I'll drink water right at the tap. <laughs> I know. You do that and it grosses me out. Anyways. Um, <laughs> all right. Episode 166. Let's get to it. We're going to give you some tips, some tricks, some insights as to if you're a landlord and... And just, and just to validate... It's, the information we're going to provide, you know, we've been running a successful real estate team for a decade and we have a residential property management company. So we're well-versed in how to do this. We've done it hundreds and hundreds of times. And um, yeah. So if you're a landlord and you're going to go it alone, so to speak, um, and even if you're not, it's good to be versed in knowing the the process um, 
even to hold your realtor accountable, but also just to, you know, it's, it's an investment, right? Like um, if you have your money in, in a mutual fund at a bank, you know, it's good to know what percentage they're charging you for management fees on that mutual fund. It's, it's well, not and, different. And who, who's managing it, right? Cause that's in right. this case, that's very relevant. Who's managing your house. Who's living there. Who's taking care of it. Right. How, how, if, you know, uh, reliable are they with income and stuff like that? So, and there, there are a number of people now that are trying to rent out their properties by themselves, right? Like they're posting stuff on Facebook marketplace, on Kijiji, on different groups and different social media sites. So, uh, I think this information is not as available as it should be to the general public so here we go. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, you know, I'd say the, the one key component that's consistent and crucial is a credit report. Yeah. So let's, that's, let, let, hang on. Let's start by going through the documents that we ask for from each and every tenant. And then there's going to be a bunch of variable documents as well that we may ask for uh depending on what we see correct so first credit report rental app okay credit report i like to see the one with the score i like to see the detailed report so don't just well, the give problem me with a that screenshot. we can get into in a bit is it's that's kind of gone by the wayside too they've uh, equifax who was in my opinion uh, the they, best they've changed they've, it they've, They've changed it again now. Did they go back? Okay, and, I haven't seen and, a recent one. Yeah, they're working on some stuff behind the scenes. TransUnion is readily available if you're a, a if you bank with Bank of Montreal or Royal Bank, and you sign into your online banking from a desktop or laptop, um, you will have free access to your TransUnion report, and that is a pretty complete report. So, what you're looking for as a landlord is to get the full details and ideally as a PDF, as one document, not just screenshots. So, okay. So credit report, uh, number two would be rental application. So I would think if you Google it, you'll probably find some, uh, you can go on to the Ontario real estate association website and you'll probably find it on there. Uh, if you're listening to this and you want one, we're, we'll gladly give you a link to it. Um, but it's easy to come up with a, a rental application and that's going to give you a snapshot of who's applying. Who's so living we'll there. Dig, we'll dig into it uh, as to what, information you want to see on there and what you're going to do with that. Um, number three, we always like to see a job letter. So to and, summarize that proof of income, which consists of a number of things, but job letters are important yes, to have. Proof of income is a good way to summarize it. So it would be uh, job letter and most recent pay stubs. So most recent pay cycle. Everybody gets a pay stub. It shouldn't be hard to generate one. Um, if you are gainfully employed with a reputable employer of some kind um, and, and a job letter, which will provide you with um, all kinds of information. How long has that person been there? How much are they making? Uh, what's their position and who to contact uh, to verify this information. And just to clarify why some tenants, uh, some tenants have questioned me when they provide me with dated pay stubs that were like three, four or five weeks old. The reason is simply because it, it's less reliable in conveying that you're actively employed. If you have a page, a pay stub from last week, it's probably more convincing that you're actively working at this place versus giving me something from seven weeks ago, which I've had. And for landlords, if someone puts up a stink about stuff like that, it's usually a red flag. Yep. So that's a pretty good place to start. Your rental application, the credit report, job um, or proof of income, job verification. And identification in order to kind of 
corroborate all that information. So you can say, okay, what, what address is on the driver's license? Does it match up to the credit report? If it doesn't, how come? It's not necessarily a, a problem, but it could lead you in a direction of, of uncovering some questionable things. Uh, so that's always been very helpful for me. Yeah, <clears throat> that's fact, especially important now that a lot of the communication and meetups and all of that are done virtually yes. uh, versus being done in person. Well, I've had instances where the driver's license, because people don't always update it. So, you know, the driver's license was two addresses old. So it's not even where they were currently living. And I looked up the address of the place that was on the license. I found the previous listing. I contacted the real estate agent that represented or the, yeah, the real estate agent that represented the landlord in that instance, who has no uh, hidden agenda or bias towards whether or not we take them on as new tenants. Cause it's not like they're leaving there. Um, and I was able to get, you know, um, kind of candid feedback on them, which was very helpful. So let's get into the, um, usually the first document is the rental application. So on the rental application, it will typically require, here's the information that you need. You need somebody to document on that application. Who's going to be living there? That's, that's number one. Um, of all ages. So who are the kids that are living there? What's their age? Who, who are the spouses? Whatever. Um, places of residence. So yes. current and previous. Um, address, how long were you there? And who's the landlord? What is their contact information? Employment information, current and previous. Depends how long somebody's been at their current job. If they've been there, I don't know, 10 years or whatever, who really cares about the previous job? If they've been there a year or two, you want to get, potentially you want to get the previous employer information, whether or not they're in the same type of job. Do they bounce around jobs a lot? Why is there a gap of six months in between employment? Um, you're trying to mitigate your risks against that person not being able to pay. Right. Um, and none of these things on their own are red flags necessarily. It's just nope. information gathering and figuring out who it is that you're bringing in potentially. The entire process and all of the review of documents and gathering of documents is an information gathering stage to better inform you on the type of decision that you're going to make as to whether or not this person is going to live in your house or not. That's right. One thing that's interesting with the rental application that we've, I've come across multiple times um, is when you'll have maybe one person on the actual offer the rental uh, lease agreement. And then when you look at the rental uh, um, application and it shows you who's living there, you'll see another spouse or somebody who's working and contributing, but they left them off of the actual agreement. And sometimes that's a red flag as to, you know, one of the two parties perhaps has really bad credit. And that's, that is something that you should take into consideration because if you re rely on their income, for their living expenses, but they're not on the application, then you could be running into a problem. Well, Robin called me the other day. She had a similar instance and we talked through it and we don't know new immigrants to the country. Um, so we don't know what the history is of the one person that was left out of the agreement um but it was most likely because there was no history right um so it can be credit issues it can be no history it could be that they're hiding something um you don't know and here's a pro tip we always talked about and and we preach the process of interviewing the tenant 
So before you sign off on the agreement, or if the agreement is conditional, before you waive that condition, pardon me, shame on me today. Um, so before you do that, or when you do that, when you do that interview stage with that potential tenant, is reconfirming who is going to be living there. Because when you're face-to-face, whether it's virtual or in person, if you say, okay, Bob, it's going to be you and uh, Sylvia living in the property, is there anybody else that will be living there? And if you do that, oftentimes it'll catch people off guard and you know they they'll say oh uh well my you know 14 year old son from a previous marriage will be living with us during the summers you know so oftentimes you can get information by just reconfirming things during that interview stage so yeah it's a way to validate their information because men i've caught people in lies before all it's the very time. common because if someone's having a hard time getting a rental and they keep losing out on applications, they might start to adjust their application to look more appealing. And um, if you call them out on it in person or virtually, you know, it's easy to lie on paper, but not many people have the skill to do it um, live. Yeah. Well, and you can get a better sense like if they stumble exactly or if you're just getting a bad gut feeling right like you're the landlord you are the one as a landlord you are the one that are is responsible for all the bills right like at the end of the day you're responsible for paying that mortgage the property taxes the upkeep the maintenance um some of the utilities potentially will fall back on you um so protect this is how you protect your asset uh do you want this person living in your home um now we have chatted about references in the past and you and i have had different opinions or different I've changed my opinion on it okay so what is your as of right now 2022 what 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 is your opinion on references? I'll give you mine, and they might be different. So if, yes. you know, I'm bracing everybody here that's listening. Okay, we do have many standard protocols throughout all of our processes on our team and in KT Property Management. Um, references is where it get there is a gray area. So the I, th- I think the vast majority of times. It's uh, I wouldn't say a waste of time, but it doesn't really provide much value um, because they're giving you their best friend, their mom, their employer, somebody that knows them really well that they know will give them a really good glowing reference. But there are people out there who pay tenants, we're talking tenants who pay other people to create these fictitious applications. And that includes fake references. And those fake references are usually really easy to catch uh, if you call them because they're usually not prepared. Most people don't call references. They don't really know every fine detail of the application. So you can usually catch them in a lie. Um, And because of that, even though that's one in a hundred, maybe more than that, but I'm, you know, exaggerating a little bit, it's definitely not the majority of times it's still worth making those phone calls because occasionally you will catch somebody. So the, the process over the years has changed. And to your point, there are so many ways to forge rental applications. And I'm talking about everything, the credit report, the job. I know someone that's done it. Yeah. The job letters, the, uh, pay stubs, like everything can be forged. It can be all fake bank statements, everything. So sometimes if you don't dig in enough, you will be the victim of fraud 
Yeah. And let me tell you, these people are professional renters. They will go, they will live in your home for a year or two or however long. Usually they're on a shorter, they, they bounce around from home to home, but a year, year plus, year and a half, just long enough that you won't be able to properly evict them because they know the rules and the process and how long things take. Yeah. Um, so they'll give you everything that you're looking for and it'll all look rosy, but then they move in and they'll give you the first and last month payment and maybe another month to keep you hanging in there. And that's it. Then they just stop paying and yeah. they destroy the house. And that's, that's the type of stuff you're trying to avoid. So references 10 years ago that you would get were more than likely, you know, I would say 90% of the time it were true references. Yeah. However, to your point, it's a cousin, right? Cousin is going to give glowing reviews. So that's who you put down as a reference. So me as a landlord calling the cousin, hey, how's Bob? And how long have you known him? And, you know, is he going to be a good tenant? Was he whatever? They're going, oh, right. Bob's amazing. I would let him move into my house, but I don't have the space. Uh, you know, whatever, right? Uh, these days, you have to be really careful because you can hop onto a lot of websites uh, or a lot of Facebook groups and pay somebody to be a reference. Um, so again, crossing T's dotting I's, it doesn't hurt as a landlord, doesn't hurt. Call the references, call the employer and not only verify employment, get a personal reference like yeah do you believe this person would treat my home fairly whether yeah. or not the answer i don't know me as an employer probably not going to answer that question but uh, a lot of people do um how much stock do you put into past residences you 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 mentioned a couple of things um yeah, I think I don't think somebody you mean like in terms of somebody jumping around from place to place over a short period of time. Yeah, what do you look for when you when you see current residents and past residents? Those are two Yeah, that stuff doesn't bother me because being in the industry for so long, you know, I know people that stay in one place for years. Um I I have friends who have been renting for 8 years in the same place. Um and they're laughing now their rent's super cheap compared to market rent. That's a whole nother conversation if they get kicked out. Um, but, and then I know people that move every year, um, you know, and for us with, you know, the rental, uh, the, the Broussard reno, the, the property that you and I are renovating now to sell. One of my considerations with the previous tenant was knowing that she wasn't going to be there for long. So I liked that. Um, so I guess it depends on what you're looking for, what type of tenant you want. Um, but I, I, I'm not overly concerned about it as long as I can put all the pieces together and there's nothing that seems questionable. And um, yeah, moving around a lot in itself doesn't bother me at all. Pro tip, Google the addresses. Yeah. See what information you can find. As realtors, we have the ability to go in and see who owns that property. As a general public, it's probably going to be hard to find that information. But if you can, does the owner's name of the property line up with who they've put as the landlord's name, as the owner's name? Yeah. If not, why doesn't it match up? Um, and then... The other area on the rental application is employment. All you're trying to do with that is now verify it against the other documents that you have, the job letter and the recent pay stubs. 
Some people will say, yeah, I make $100,000 a year. Um, yeah, that's if you're working 40 hours overtime a month, which you only do once a month, uh, once a year, right? A lot of people don't know how much they actually make in a full calendar year. And for many people now, especially through the pandemic, um, those incomes have fluctuated quite a bit. They've changed. Yeah. And, well, and then and you have the people way that in which work, people get paid. Right. You, then you have people that work, you know, salary plus commission, or you have people that make tips, cash tips, things of that nature. So, so you want to get, again, as much information as you can when it comes to that. So just to elaborate on that, because I, um, and then you also get a lot of people where, where we practice or we trade um, a lot of new immigrants with sometimes no jobs. So, but they have income or they may have money or sources of income from other places in the world. Um, so sometimes you have to get creative because you don't want to write these people off because you know, they, they're human beings and they could be excellent tenants, but it may require a little bit more work and digging in order to validate whether or not they're the right tenant. And sometimes that means getting bank statements to show a steady flow of uh, money being deposited. Uh, that's one way to kind of verify if money's coming in, uh, among other things. Episode 166 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. If you are a landlord, you have any questions or um, about vetting a tenant, we're happy to answer them. So leave a comment. Um, all right, moving along to the other documents now. Which one you want to go through first? Credit report? That's your favorite. Well, the credit report is, yeah. I mean, it's it's full of information. It's important to learn how to read one and understand. Um, you know, there's different aspects of it. They'll show you existing and old trades. So different types of loans, lines of credit, whether it's a fixed loan or uh, an open loan, or um, they'll show you the repayment history, whether it's 30 days, 60 days, or 90 days late, um, how many of those late payments there were, what their high credit is, so how much they were approved for at the max, how much the utilization is. Utilization is important because if somebody's got excessive debt loads outstanding, that could be uh, an area of concern um, because if they run into problem, the question then becomes, well, which, which uh, of their debts are they going to be paying? Is it going to be their credit card, line of credit and car payment or their rent? Um, Here's something I learned about the credit application process of reviewing the credit application. And for those of you that don't know, I mean, that is part of, the process in, in renting and, and whether you're represent as a realtor, whether you're representing a landlord or a tenant, the credit application is, or the credit um, report is always part of the application. But in our previous careers in the automotive industry, as senior managers for a large automotive group of dealerships, both of us at many intervals of our career with that organization involved reviewing credit applications and submitting those credit applications as financial uh, managers um, to financial institutions to get financing for vehicles. Um, I have seen, as have you, Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands probably. Thousands. Yeah. Th yeah. Thousands of credit reports. And it might sound stupid to some people, and you might tell me I'm overthinking things or whatever. I tend to do that. But one thing that I've learned look at the repayment history of the phone bill. Yeah, that's everyone's primary concern. If, and, and of course, you want to look at their visa, you know, how much do they owe on their visa? Like if they have a visa with a $10,000 limit and their balance is 99.71 or 12,000. 
No, but I'm saying it's under under. Yeah, if it's over over limit, I've seen that. Oh uh, yeah, but there. I mean, there might be an excuse for that. But what what I'm focused on right now is saying that if the limit's ten thousand and the balance is ninety nine seventy one, but they've had no missed payments, um, it it probably will tell you that this person is paying their bills on time. But there is no excessive money to pay that down. So if they are currently renting at a monthly cost of $2,000 and the place that they're trying to rent from you is $2,500, you'll want to look into where's that extra $500 a month coming from because they can't even pay down their $10,000 credit card an extra $500 a month to pay it off in a year or two, right? Um, but when I look at a credit report and I see a phone bill, a tell a cell phone, okay, because cell phones will show up. Most cell phone providers will it'll show up in the credit report. It doesn't necessarily affect the score. A lot of them they do not affect the score, but it'll show up in the detailed report. And whether it does or it doesn't affect the score. If somebody cannot pay their cell phone bill on time and keep the balance to a zero, if you cannot pay your cell phone bill in full every month, you are struggling to keep up with your bills every month. Yes. Well, and cell phones are, and you think of the things in, in priority sequence, right? What are they going to, what would they be more concerned about losing? And cell phone is their primary means of communication. So that's definitely high on the list. Um, car would probably come somewhere next because they know that the repo man's going to, could show up and take it off the driveway. Um, house is different because no, it's hard to get kicked out of a house. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and until recently, like now there is a um, a service for landlords that you can go and become a member and there's there's different um, levels of membership, but you can actually report now as a landlord to the credit bureau, whereas you could not before. So a lot of tenants will be providing you credit reports that don't have any history to go by on their past residences if they were tenants in the past. Um, But why I say cell phone bill is for most people, a cell phone bill every month is a hundred or $200 max, right? Um, A lot of them are 70, 80, hundred bucks a month. If, if you are not diligent on paying your cell phone bill, you know, how much, priority are you putting into good credit, paying people on time? Um, And then you look at the balance. So if it's been consecutive, so let's say two times 30 days late and the balance is 700 bucks, you just don't give a shit. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so you got to look for those kind of, um, you know, little, little details, little things. And, and even ask, you know, if you're still considering this person as a tenant, um, ask them, you know, I see that you've had a couple of months where you haven't paid your TELUS bill on time. What's going on? I think it's important to do that because there could be legitimate reasons things happen. Oh, sure. Especially now during the pandemic, there could be right. legitimate reasons. Yeah, exactly. And we haven't even really seen the effects of that yet. I mean, maybe now we will start to, or, you know, why during 2020, were you unemployed for three months and behind on bills? Well, you know, so uh, sometimes there are stories behind it. I never immediately, uh, I shouldn't say never. I, I don't usually immediately write people off. I'll usually dig in a little bit to see if there's something to work with um, because I recognize that it's very challenging. It's a very competitive market. Um, 
And we have taken on tenants that other people may have passed on because we, we dug in, we put in the effort and we saw something there that somebody else didn't. Uh, so it's not always about perfect income, lots of money in the bank and perfect credit. Cause a lot of those people own houses. Um, hey, life happens, man. Yeah. People can, you know, I've taken on a tenant before um, on behalf of a landlord. So the landlord hired us to, to vet the proper tenant. And this person's credit was actually really bad, really, really bad. And immediately, you know, you look at it on paper and you say, oh, <laughs> next. Um, but when we dug in, uh, the person was going through chemotherapy and had uh, struggles in health and struggles in income because of the health issues and, and all of that. But that was a while ago. Right. And that person is now back up and running and healthy and, and working and, you know, feeling great and, and trying to reestablish life again uh, during that hiccup in that, in their life, in their lives. So, um, you know, sometimes there's, there's a story. Everybody is a human and can have blips and screw up every once in a while. But again, you're going through an information gathering session where you as a landlord with whatever it is, 500,000, a million dollars on the line. Um, you're trying to find the best person that you can. Yeah, that's right. The other thing I do with credit reports uh, is just, and we've run into this many times, um, is verifying whether they're authentic or not, because there are oh. many fake ones out there. So, you know, for the, I have seen more fraudulent credit reports in the last 24 months than I have in my entire life. hundred percent. Well, you're running into a very competitive market and people are trying to find creative ways to get into properties. Um, so if, if you're not as a landlord, if you're the one trying to vet the tenants and you're not super familiar with reports, um, I would highly recommend even if you are, I would highly recommend doing it, but pulling your own credit report. There are lots of ways to do it. There's um, one company I've used a few times that I've grown a bit fond of. I think they're called Single Key. Um, yes. And you can actually get the tenant to pay for it if you want, or you can run it yourself with their permission. But basically you sign up, you send, uh, put in their email address. It will send them an email. They can click log in. It will run the report after they've uh, approved it. It goes directly to you. It's they pull the information from Equifax and I guess Equifax has like tiers in terms of uh, quantity of information that they'll provide based on how much you pay. And they pull from the top tier that gives you full access. Uh, and they also do need things where it pulls information about their uh, social media accounts. And it's been pretty accurate in locating the tenants on social. It gives you their profile name. So if it's not a private account, you can go on and see kind of what they're posting, which gives you a bit more personal insight into who they are. We could probably go on and talk about this whole topic for hours uh, because there's just so many things that you could do, such as creeping them on, on social media and, and Googling them uh, to see what information you find LinkedIn, but don't be fooled. It's easy to create a fake LinkedIn profile. It's easy to make somebody see something uh, that really isn't there. So you have to you have to be careful because it's easy to be fooled these days. Um, you talked about the the fake credit reports, and and I think the biggest tip is getting uh, your own credit report from the same reporting agency, so you can compare. Here's what a real one looks like and and cross-reference it and just so you're, what you're saying is running your own in your name right yes yes yeah why not you should be running your own report uh at least a few times a year anyway to check up on your credit health so spend the 25 bucks or go through the process and get a report on you so you know that this is a true report and this is what a report from this report agency reporting agency should actually look like but hey maybe the tenant that you're giving a hard time to with the 632 credit score 
uh, has a better score than you (laughs) (laughs) precisely um you have to look for just look for things that are blatantly obvious first as you're going through it so spelling errors you won't find spelling errors in any valid true credit report you will not um so look for that first spelling yeah, mistakes we've seen that we've seen alignment many, issues, many times. just formatting issues yes if it is a true document and again you're not getting screen captures for this reason you're not getting pictures funky photocopies like no yes. reason for that yeah yeah let me In fax it age. to you let me yeah. fax you my credit report it's only been crumpled a hundred times so you yeah. can't see all the misalignment um Every credit reporting agency that provides credit reports in the country that we live in um, is doing things above water. Uh, They do things professionally, so you're not going to find wonky reports. So, And consistently, yeah. It's consistent. So the left side of the column where things should be aligned properly all of the sentences all of the words all of the numbers if you put a ruler right up against the left side of the page and all of a sudden there's a couple of indents on a couple of the lines uh, you would want to question that Um, font font size uh, things of that nature, they can be different in the report. Oftentimes, you'll find things like uh, fonts get bolded in certain areas and, and whatnot. So you really have to know what it should look like, which is why, you know, pull your own report. Um, the other thing to look for is just, again, I always look at the spelling and grammatical stuff. Um, and then you'll sometimes see as an example with creditors reporting and you, you can see, okay, bank of Nova Scotia balance due, whatever. And, and it's got all these line items compare each segment to each other. So I have seen where it says, I'll give you an example. This is not true, but it's, similar to what happens it'll say past due uh whatever 0.00 and then in the next segment of credit report uh, in the credit report will be i don't know bank of montreal past due 00.00 so in one you've got three zeros the other you have four that stuff doesn't happen on a real credit report so what's it happening ha- there is people are creating them and they're just inconsistent with their form. They're not as diligent in ensuring the formatting is correct from one to the other. Correct. Um, or they're copy and pasting the wrong information and repeating that. So you do really need or to Or they have, you know, there's all these tools. Like if you sign up to a Dacro, uh, a Dacrobat. A Dacrobat. <laughs> <laughs> Adobe Acrobat. Adobe Acrobat uh, Pro, you can modify a PDF. You can you can go in there and delete things. So all of a sudden, if past due was nine hundred, uh, maybe the nine and the one zero gets deleted to look like zero point zero zero, but it should have actually been zero zero point zero zero. So so you're looking for consistencies and you're looking for things that um, just don't seem right. All right, uh, let's get into. Uh, job letter and uh, pay stubs. Then we'll wrap it up again. Episode 166 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. We really appreciate you listening or watching. Uh, Give us a thumbs up. Leave us comments on your experiences, your questions. We're happy to answer anything. Well, Um, I assume that the majority of listeners right now are either... uh, aspiring to become landlords or they are landlords. And for if you've listened you, to this, this far, yeah. you are probably in one of those Likely. two categories. So yes. for those of you who are landlords, I'd like to hear your stories uh, of your experiences with tenants and it, as it pertains to this whole process of vetting them and let us know how you caught people uh, or what you look for. But uh, so pay stubs, 
What'd you say? Pay stubs and job letters. So job letters. Um, I always, a lot of these people are sending job letters with companies I've never heard of. So, you know, a little bit of due diligence is owed to researching the company uh, to find out if it's legit. Uh, I always look at, you know, who signed off on the letter. Um, and actually one interesting one I had, uh, there was a, a there was a tenant we approved. I can't remember which property it was. It was not long ago. And it was a very questionable application because he was moving from out of the country. He had income from like five different countries. Uh, he traveled a lot. There's a lot of inconsistencies in his pay, but I, I personally knew the person that signed his job letter. Uh, so I called them and, Oh yeah, uh, that was my deal that you took over while, uh, Oh yeah. While yeah, I was away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I personally knew the person that signed his job letter. So I gave her a call. We had a nice chat and, uh, and that was very helpful. Um, but to the other side of the exact opposite side of, uh, the equation is sometimes you have never heard of these people or the company. So you have to do your due diligence and research them. I have had a job letter before and I don't remember the specifics but literally it looked like it was typed on a typewriter. Yeah. And it was, let's say Bob's automotive one, two, three, ABC. And it was so poorly written and said, Joe works for me. He makes $80,000 per year, Bob. That's it. Yeah. Okay. And Sometimes when you do your due diligence, like if I drive over to Bob's Automotive ABC one two three, it actually is legit. You walk in and you're like, "Are you Bob? Yeah. Did you sign oh, this, this letter? Is, yeah." Sometimes you'll know. This explains a lot. <laughs> right. Right. Um, or you know, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. You know, I don't I mean, need anything else. Have a good day, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. You know, different industries like. And different types of people are, you know, operate different ways. If you're, if you're employed with Amazon, um, you're getting a, a nice job letter. I've seen many of them from Amazon. They're written well. They're on company letterhead. You know exactly who to call. You know how to verify it. When you call in, you can get a proper verification. There's uh, pay stubs that line up and, and match everything identically. So you can do those cross-references. Well, sometimes if I'll even, you're, when you're researching the company, I'll do a Google Street View of the address just to see if oh, for sure. the building is actually there and it's branded as, as it shows on the letterhead. What I have found with a lot of fraudulent job activity um, stuff is a lot of people use um what do you call it when an office you can rent uh just a a room for like uh certain like period shared of time space or something it's I know like a yeah like cloud offices or whatever or they're they'll called. choose like an industrial unit where you can't really see every business in the unit yes you'll you'll all of a sudden get a building uh downtown mississauga office building that has 30 floors yeah our, right. our office is in there sure try and find us yeah exactly um so so you'll get that kind of stuff if it's if it's fraudulent but um you definitely want to reach out and verify employment based on that job letter um and do your due diligence on who signed that job letter. Like Google that person, Facebook, that person. Um, is this potentially the person that is like, is this real? Right. Um, and again, be careful on LinkedIn because it's easy to create a fake, fake accounts. Well, um, you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't add much value to a LinkedIn account that wasn't overly active. Yeah. Although as and a percentage a of the population, as a percentage of the population, Adrian, like how active, like we have staff on our team that their LinkedIn literally has three words in it. So, uh, True. well, we need to, that's all that should schedule a meeting on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you had a couple of good posts recently, but uh, even, even me, it's not the first thing I do every morning. Um, so 
you know, you want to verify that that company is in existence, that that person signing off on that letter is the person actually employed by that company as well. And that, you know, you're not just calling, calling his cousin, calling that person's cousin. And even though the jo- it's on letterhead of the same company, you know, instead of them making 40,000 a year, I'm confirming now they're making 80, um, right. you know, things like that happen. Well, that, so and cross- that, that falls same as a reference. I treat it very similarly. Yep. I actually have a habit depending on, on again, if the tenant is a blue collar worker, you know, working for a, a plumbing, a small plumbing company, you know, a family mom and pop run plumbing company or a pop run family company, uh, plumbing company that's been around for 20 years, you know, are they even getting a pay stub? Who knows? Is it, you know, chicken scratch on a memo pad? Here you go. Right. Here's your check or I don't know. Yeah. Or, uh, here's cash. cash. Yeah. Um, There's lots of that. So that's why you got to be open-minded, do your due diligence because those people deserve a chance to, and it's very challenging for them. I've represented many of them and we have to get creative with how much information we provide to sell a landlord on them as tenants, but sometimes they're the best option. If you are confirming employment with a company that actually has a receptionist. So here's a pro tip. Let's say it's Amazon. Okay. So the, the job letter is Amazon and Bob signs the job letter as being the uh, controller. Well, Amazon actually has multiple controllers and things like that. So you got to be careful what I say here, but um, call the receptionist and ask for that person. So don't just call the number that's in the job letter. Feel free to contact me at. Yeah. You got to verify their position actually that they work there too. Not, not only now are you trying to verify the tenant is legit, but you're trying to verify the references. are Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. Do you have anything else to add in terms of verifying job letter before I move into? No, I think that's good. That's good. Okay. Pay stubs real quick. Get out your calculator, add up all the numbers. Do they match? That's the first thing because on fraudulent ones, the people creating them often their math sucks and what you see in net pay and gross pay, when you total it all up, they won't all coincide. They won't all match up. So first thing you do, and very similar to a credit report, you want to make sure that things are spelled correctly, that the alignment is correct, but definitely check the numbers. That's exactly what I would say. Verify that their declared annual income makes sense based on how much their current pay stub is. Um, Make sure the math adds up. Make sure the formatting is right. Make sure that one pay stub is consistent to the next. Make sure the pay periods are consistent. That's a big one. That's a big one. You hit one right there. Um, Pro tip. if if if, Pro tip. If you have multiple. Well, first of all, get multiple. You need multiple. Yeah. Like at least two. Minimum, minimum two and back to back. Yeah. Don't get one from April and then one from June. You want and or beginning of May and beginning of June or whatever. You want back to back consecutive pay stubs. And then again, do the math. Did the incremental values all increase at the as they were supposed to and does it jive with what they say that they were making on the rental application? So you're looking for truth, you know, or lies, depending on how you look at it. And you're looking for fraudulent um, documentation. So you're, you're kind of doing all of those checks all at the same time. And then don't just look at the gross pay, look at the net pay because that's actually what they're taking home to pay their bills. Um, And in some companies, you know, you have deductions that are over and above CPP, EI and uh, federal tax. 
uh, or provincial taxes. So, um, and then lastly, look at how they're earning that income. So is it is there overtime or is there a bonus that they got paid that they're now bundling in? Is there commission? Is it an hourly hourly rate? How is it broken down? Um, and any any normal pay stub will have all of those as line items so you can quickly cross check. You that's it. <laughs> I'm all out. I'm all out too. I haven't eaten anything today, so my brain is uh, not at capacity. Can I have Do your you turkey to... sandwich? <laughs> it looks good. I uh, episode 166. Thanks for listening. Thanks for Thanks watching. For tuning in. And uh, yeah, leave those comments. We want to hear from you on this one. This is a good one. Episode Bye. 166 wrapping up. Bye for now. <laughs>